My name is Lewis Jackson. I'm one of the lay people here at the church, and uh, being asked to speak today, first day back, it's kind of intimidating. It's the first time we're doing the technology live again, and we got pearls before swine cartoons and a TikTok video and some stuff like that, so we'll see how the technology works. Um, there are at least five people here this morning that preach more than I do, so it would be very easy to get intimidated about this, but coming into it after something like that, um, thank you so much, Van. That is such a blessing. You know, how can you not be excited? That's a song by the Newsboys. And uh, so we have our own newsboys, but we have an anchor woman in our group too. So let's hear it. Bonnie, it's good to have you up there. And for the Apesena family, bienvenidos. Yo espero que esta iglesia va a estar una bendición a ustedes y a su familia. So. 60 seconds in, and we're already speaking in tongues. How about that? So, let's hope with prayer. Almighty God, pour out your Spirit on us here today. Lord, we want to be the church. We believe in what you created, and you created the church. It's what we're here to celebrate today. We thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be in worship together. Lord, the worship that we've already experienced this morning has touched our hearts. Lord, we didn't realize how much we missed it and how much we needed it. So we thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us in worship this morning. We ask your blessing on this message. Pray that it be your words and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I said we got pearls before swine uh, cartoons here today, so we'll go ahead lead off with one of those. So, uh, pig is sitting there watching television. Rat walks in, looking like a lot of us have after uh, months of the beauty salons and barbers being closed, and he says, I missed my barber. And Pig answers, this will end one day. Rat says, I will hug him as I have never hugged a man. A lot of you probably felt that way too. A lot of you are grateful to be back here this morning. I know you are. And this is week four of us talking about the Apostles' Creed. Uh, and it's only fitting that today we're talking about the line that says, I believe in the church. A creed is a formal statement of Christian beliefs. And the Apostles' Creed is the oldest one that the church uses. There are others, creeds and affirmations. We don't use as much. There's Nicene Creed, Modern Affirmation, the uh, Methodist churches of Korea and Canada have affirmations that we use sometimes also, but the Apostles' Creed is not something that shows up a lot in contemporary worship. But many of us grew up saying it in a traditional worship service, and our traditional worship service here uses it every week. And we're focusing on it as a reminder of what we believe. The song we just sang was a form of a creed also. And, and you can see that when we start saying what we believe, like we did, we were singing it, there's power in that. Um, all creeds start, all of these that I was talking about, they start by uh, affirming faith in God the Father, 
then Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. They all start that way. And for the last three Sundays, we've had people preach on each of those. Maria preached in here on uh, God the Father, and then Danny Tomlinson on Jesus. And last week, amazingly, somehow, in spite of his going on, Brent was able to preach on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave you wind to speak. You didn't have it yourself. Amen. And today, it's the church. And the way it's phrased in the Apostles' Creed is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And the word Catholic gets a lot of people stirred up sometimes because we think it means the Catholic Church with a capital C, with the Pope and all of that. Um, in fact, so many people were stirred up by that that the newest version of the hymnal had to have little asterisks to indicate that the word Catholic with little c means universal. It's an adjective, not a denomination. And uh, so when we say we believe in the church, we're talking about the universal church. We're talking about the community of believers, because that's what we are. The word church doesn't even appear in the Old Testament. Jesus is the first one to use the word church, and it's in Matthew 16. This is the same passage Dan used two weeks ago. I'm going to read Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. Uh, you may stand as you are able, reading of God's word. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. First use of the word church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, the Bible is a simple book, but it's not always an easy book. And the use of the word rock, because if we're talking about the church, we need to know what it's based on, right? And when Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church, what is he talking about? What rock is that? And there are about three different things that scholars have looked at that he's talking about. One is Peter. And that's almost the most obvious one there because he says, you are Peter on this rock, build my church. The word Peter means rock. And Peter was the first leader of the new church. So it could be Peter. The uh, second thing, though, that Jesus could have been talking about was himself. Peter just said who Jesus was, and so Jesus may have been saying, on this rock, on this rock, will I build the church? Jesus also refers to himself as a cornerstone and a temple. So to refer to himself as the foundation could be another one of those architectural uh, metaphors that he uses. The third thing, though, that it could be was the truth that Peter just stated. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And so Jesus could be saying that that truth is the foundation on which I will build my church. When we use the word church, we often mean many different things also. It could be a building, turn left at the church on the corner kind of thing. It could be a congregation, Noonan First United Methodist Church. It could be a denomination like the Presbyterian Church. And we also use it to mean the worldwide church. But in the New Testament, the primary use word church is to refer to a group of believers together in some sense. For instance, the church in Rome or the church in Corinth or the church in Jerusalem. It's the people of God united in faith. When I was in fifth grade, we moved to South Georgia. And uh, in the church we joined... Um, three of us, I'm the oldest of four, and the oldest three were old enough to be in the children's choir. So my parents signed us up and we went. But I didn't go. I would go into the church and I would go hide and brother and sister would go on to choir. Um, finally, the choir director found me. I think she was tipped off by my sister. And um, she got me into the choir and she immediately gave me a solo. And after that, I was hooked. And I've been doing church music ever since. But the first song we did when I joined that choir was a song called I Am the Church. And the chorus of that goes, I am the church, you are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. Um, David Kinwright's here. David is kind of like the rain man of the Methodist hymnal. He can tell you where every uh, hymn is located, the page number and all of that. And this is number 558 now in the Methodist hymnal. And it's amazing how children's songs can convey the theology so well in such a simple and straightforward way. And what that song conveys is it is the people. The church means the people of God united, united together. Um, got another Pearls Before Swine cartoon that illustrates how unity is hard to come by these days. So Rat, Pig, and Goat are having a conversation, and Rat throws out a question. Hey, Goat, do you like to take your shower in the morning or at night? Night, mostly. Why, you left-wing, communist, socialist, diversity-loving, avocado-toast-eating, liberal traitor. I miss the days when every topic wasn't political. I still like you, traitor. Hey, don't talk to the tree-hugging enemy of the people. And in these times of politicalization and polarization and division, the church is strengthened by realizing what we have in common. And that's what creeds and affirmations do. It reminds us of what we have in common. Like I said, the Apostles' Creed mentions that we believe in the Holy Catholic or Universal Church. The Nicene Creed says we believe in one holy and apostolic church. Well, what does that mean? It refers to the Apostles, but it means we take it to places where it is needed or where it doesn't yet exist. It's part of what we do. The Korean affirmation says this, we believe in the church those who are united in the living Lord for the purpose of worship and service. It adds our purpose to what it's saying. Worship, what we're doing here now, coming together, equipping, and then service, going out to be a witness. 
the uh, modern affirmation doesn't mention church specifically, but after God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, it says this, we believe that this faith should manifest itself, meaning reveal itself to be true, should manifest itself in the service of love as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, basically do what Jesus did, to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. And then the United Church of United Methodist Church of Canada says this, more details. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice, resist evil, and to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. I do believe in the church. And I believe in the church as the body of Christ. The very first song we sang, right? Make of me the hands and feet of Jesus. That's what we ask for. That's what being the body of Christ means. It means that we all have different gifts and abilities. We're all important. We're all connected to each other. What affects one affects all. And we're doing what Jesus would do. So what's that body supposed to look like? Now, I've come up with about six things. The first one is we're supposed to be genuine. Got my third pearls before spine cartoon now. Sorry, I gotta get it all out. It's been a while since I've been able to do these. They don't work as well on the video virtual sermons. So, hi, Rat. I'm Father George from the Corner Church. I notice I haven't seen you there lately. I've been busy. Well, you need to start going regularly. And you need to stop all your drinking and swearing and carousing. That is, if you want to get into heaven. Are there people like you there? Of course. And that's when I chose a life of sin. The witness that we present is not always very compelling and does not always draw people in. Um, And you know, the world can tell when someone who professes to be a Christian is not living a life, is not behaving in a way that is consistent with what the church and Jesus put out there. In fact, I would say that the hypocrisy of people who claim to be believers are the biggest thing that make people out there reject church and reject God. It's the witness that someone has put out there. In fact, there, and you know this, there are people who actually hate the church and hate Christians, I can almost guarantee you in each case it was because of someone who professed to be a Christian because of what someone like that did to that person. Um, I do want to show you a TikTok. Now this is from a woman who is a worship leader and the name of the TikTok was a point of view of a worship leader and what she's doing, and this this woman is brilliant and she's hilarious, and what she's doing is she's saying what she has seen in looking out there at her church. And it's, it's brilliant because she is each character that, that she uh, is portraying in this. And, and the best thing about her is her eyes. So pay attention to her eyes in this. Let's give this a try. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Let's sing. There's beauty in my brokenness. The statue. Wanted to be in the praise band. Yeah, yeah. This freedom, boy. 
looking for her Boaz. I've got joy her rich husband had to settle for you something else. What beat is that? Down deep in my soul. The bee nusher. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. She's not flat to you? Yeah, she's flat. The one who has sat so down from the praise. Miss the turn. Again. I've never been more secure knowing your Coffee guzzler. I've never been so free. The startler. What I love about this is because she's having fun with it. And if we were being honest, we are all odd people. And when we show up, we have our issues and we have our, our flaws also. Some of them more obvious and transparent than others. Um, and <laughs> I don't know that we have all of those in our church, at least not here today. I, I have to admit I did see a case of what beat is that during the song Behold a while ago. But, um, and it was funny to look at a couple of these she does, like uh, the one who wanted to be in the praise band, drummer missed the turn again, and then she's back to worshiping. You know, there's a conflict there. The meanest usher. Back to worship. Do we do that? And the thing about this is, and I watched this about 20 times because I was having so much fun with it, but also I started to notice what she's singing in the background. And this is part of why I say what she did up here is brilliant. The song that she's singing in the background, if you hear the words, she sings this. There's beauty in the brokenness. There's freedom, though you captured me. Though God captured her, there's freedom in that. You give me joy, is the line she repeats the most. I've never been more secure knowing your heart, Lord. And the thing is, even though there's some of us in that also, when we come here and when we are honest and open about the fact that we are broken and that there are things in us that need help with, then we're being genuine, then we're being authentic. And that is a much more powerful witness than when we're not. So, genuine, that's one thing. The second is serious. We need to take the work of the church seriously. What work is that? It's corporate worship. Y'all take it seriously, you're here this morning. It's the fellowship, it's um, being involved in missions, it's doing studies that are based in the Bible, the Bible itself and, and studies that are closely drawn from the Bible. The two most important institutions in Christianity are the home and the church. Both of these kind of serve as base camp for what we do. Base camp is where you rest, you get a breather, you heal from injuries and things like that, and you get equipped to go back out. The home is supposed to do that, and church is supposed to do that. Raising children is important. And right now we're so preoccupied with what school look like in the fall, right? We're all wondering that. 
we need to be asking, are our children learning about their faith in the way that they're supposed to? Because what we learn as children and adults in church is more important than math, science, literature, and all of that. We need to be serious about what church offers. And, and is corporate worship a priority? How easily do we let other things keep us away from being here? Uh, anyone here hold holy roller on Sunday morning? That's where you wake up on Sunday morning and you roll over and go back to sleep. Um, or worship at the Church of St. Mattress. Um, and coming here needs to not just be ritual either. It needs to be about seriously seeking God and seeking to learn and grow we are here. Uh, number three, inward focused. Inward focused. What does that mean? It means that we are focused on each other when we are here. We need to pay attention to each other. And what does the Bible say about this? Hebrews 10.25, let us not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. The word encourage means to give heart to. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another and build one another up. That's what we're supposed to do. 1 Peter 4, show hospitality and love one another. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. There's supposed to be a community here that characterizes what church is supposed to be about. You know, we come here, we say hello to people, we catch up on our week. It's supposed to be more than that. We're supposed to be discerning, hearing from God about what the person next to us needs to know. God does that. We're listening for it. And we're intentional to seek that. You know, we've had the same altar cushions here for uh, seven years since this service started. It would have been awesome if we had gone through two or three sets of those by now because they were being used so much. People doing work at the altar, praying for each other, praying for ourselves, worshiping God up here. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be focused on needs of each other, meeting those needs, physical, spiritual, all of it. There's also supposed to be community outside of here too, with each other. And I'm at my office, and I see your kids there, um, there are a bunch of them, Harper Ray, when I see her at the office, and uh, the Heartland kid, all the others that have been there through the years, um, some still coming, some graduated, moved on. There is community, we see each other there, that goes beyond just doctor-patient. Um, in the work that I do, there are a couple other people in the same position that I am that are brothers in Christ, and we've prayed together at different times. That's just amazing to have that kind of community that spills over from here into the world. They don't go to church here, but they're church to me. Um, talking about hugging your barber, I get to hug my barber every time I get a haircut prior to April of 2020. And it'll happen again. Um, but I get to enjoy that because when he's cutting my hair, I know I'm being prayed over also. That's amazing. That's what we're supposed to have with each other. Um, Megan and I went running yesterday morning, and when we first started out running, we started praying. Praying against tendonitis and uh, heel spurs and that kind of thing. 
but also just praying that the Holy Spirit would go with us as we ran. And he did. It was an awesome run. And two girls were praying over me this morning. Having that kind of community is so vital and so important. Um, Julie Lee has been living in our basement for seven months as her house is being finished. And that was an easy decision because she's already family. She's my sister in Christ. Plus, there wasn't enough estrogen in the Jackson house to begin with. So what's, you know, <laughs> let's have one more. I, I moved away from my home church um, 35 years ago. And yet, when I go home, because my mom is still there, there are people, people who were youth counselors when I was in the youth group, who call me by name and tell me hello and ask how I'm doing. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have that community with each other. Um, I don't write much stuff on Facebook, but I read a lot. And one thing that Fede posted uh, this past week, I think, he took his family to eat at a local restaurant, and someone paid their bill. They paid their bill because they saw his family praying together, blessing the food, I assume. And that was the family being church to whoever that was that paid for their meal because it was anonymous. Um, that was a witness that encouraged that person. And then that person encouraged them back by paying for their meal. That's what our community as a church is supposed to look like. Isn't that beautiful when those things happen? That's what we get by being part of church. So, genuine, serious, inward focused, outward focused also. Um, some churches uh, here in town, they have a sign that you only see when you are leaving campus. And it says, you are now entering the mission field. You are now entering the mission field. They have it right. They have the right idea. They realized that church was base camp. They got equipped. Now, time to go out and serve. The church should be missional. We should be meeting needs of people communicating the gospel. And you know, when you meet physical needs, food at Bridging the Gap, or going to Honduras for the work projects our church has done, you're meeting physical needs, but you're also communicating your heart in doing that so that it opens the door for a conversation about Christ. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, protests began across the country. Some of them didn't look so pretty. And some of them had things coming out of them that were clearly not honoring to God. But what happened here in Noonan? In Noonan, we had pastors, um, one of them here this morning, more than one of them probably. We had lay people. We had um, godly government leaders like Cynthia Jenkins, people who came together, stepped up and said, we're going to lead this process. And Noonan's process looked very different from a bunch of other cities as far as what it looked like. Noonan's process fostered communication, broke down walls and opened doors. And that's because the church, community believers here, was involved in that process and chose to lead in that process. That's what it's supposed to look like. Number five should be sanctifying. What that means is growing in holiness. If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we are steadily growing in holiness. 
Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we should be challenging each other to do better and to be better. One of the things, as, as the protests did start happening, and, and as you start seeing Black Lives Matter being um, mentioned in the news and on signs and everywhere, when I struggled with that because the thought that kept coming to me was, all lives, all lives matter, which is true, but I knew I wasn't supposed to just put that out there because it didn't feel right. I didn't have peace in my heart about being able to say that. Um, and I, I don't say, I'm not a racist. I don't say that comment. And I don't say that comment for a couple of reasons. I hear other people saying that comment, and then what comes out of their mouth next makes it look like that comment may not be quite true. But also, I acknowledge that there may be things in me that I haven't recognized yet that are racist, that God needs to deal with me about. And, and I, when I was hearing the, or seeing Black Lives Matter and thinking, well, all lives matter, I knew that there was something about that phrase that God was revealed to me that would make me understand better and help me with that. I didn't want to say I'm not a racist. I'll tell you, the desire of my heart is not to be a racist. And God dealt with me on this, and to explain, I'll tell you about two people high school classmates of mine, Deborah Hutchinson, Pamela, Pamela Ruff. Deborah Hutchinson, um, white female, she and I were in the same room because our last names were close together for four years. She was funny. Um, she came to church periodically, but not a you know, person of faith. That changed in adulthood, and her faith became very serious to her. And on Facebook, it was very clear where she stood at high school reunions, it was very clear where she stood, but still very funny and warm and engaging. Pamela Ruff was a woman of color, and I still remember her from high school. Um, thin, slender, very soft-spoken, very gentle-spirited, very sweet girl. We'd say hello to each other, but I didn't know her much more than that. Um, a few months ago, Deborah died. She passed away from chronic health problems, and someone on our, our graduating class Facebook page mentioned that, just let the rest of us know, and lots of comments. And my comment, like I said, I don't put much on Facebook, but I did this time, and I mentioned about how she was so unapologetic about her faith. Um, Pamela and a few others gave me the thumbs up for saying that. And so for each of those people, I started looking, and none of them I was connected with at all. We weren't Facebook friends or anything. But I added them on, started following them. And Pamela was one whose faith was very powerful. And a few weeks ago, she put this on her post. When we say black lives matter, we are not saying only black lives matter. We know that all lives matter. We say black lives matter because right now we need you to understand the threat we feel toward our lives. And when I read that, it made so much sense. And it gave me the opportunity to message Pam and tell her how much I appreciated that. I mentioned it in Sunday school, so some of you here have heard that. And instantly I got feedback from other people who said, thank you so much for posting that. I needed to hear that. 
And so I, I messaged Pam and I told her, thank you so much for what you did. You helped so many people. You broke down walls. Thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit and putting that out there. And, she, and I said, I can't wait till our next reunion so I can give you a hug. And she messaged back, and we've had great conversations since then. Um, it's supposed to be sanctifying. The church is supposed to make us better. We're supposed to make each other better. Last thing, the church is supposed to be powerful. We are supposed to be doing things of significance, changing lives, making an impact in our community. We should present a witness that makes people glad that this church is in this community. And individually, we live our lives so that from time to time, people ask us, where do you go to church? Not, where do you go to church? You know, we don't want to inspire that in people, but we want them to, to be curious about where we go to church. Because we're presenting a witness that looks compelling and that, that honors God, that honors Jesus and what he did. We've got one more, pearls before swine. And this is pig riding out some stuff. And uh, Rad asked him, what, what are you riding, pig? My to-do list for today. Number one, buy milk. Number two, mow lawn. Number three, develop theory to bridge Einstein's law of relativity with the standard model of particle physics. Sometimes I go big. Church, we're called to go big. As the band comes forward, I want to explain to you one other thing about this passage we read today that is something we often gloss over and we often get the wrong idea about what this passage is saying. Verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And listen to this, And the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. We sang that in the song, we believe. What does that mean? The image a lot of us get from that passage is that we're supposed to withstand what hell, the enemy, the devil, throws at us. That we're supposed to be hunkered down and we can, we can power through. We can withstand all of that, all those attacks. Because we can do that. That won't overcome us. That's not what this is saying. This is saying the gates of hell can't withstand the church. Where are the gates of hell? They're around the stronghold. Well, if the gates are under assault and they can't withstand, that means the church is on the offensive. The church is going after the devil. The church is going after the works of Satan, doing things of significance. That is what we mean. When we say we are the church, that is part of it. Through the power of Jesus, we're supposed to be doing things of significance, demolishing arguments and pretensions and every lie that the enemy throws out there. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what it means to say, I believe in the church. Amen?